Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. Merry Christmas. Anybody in the Christmas spirit yet? Oh, it's happened. Okay. It, hap- it finally happened for me last night. I was driving home from studying for the message and like pulled in. I started to feel guilty about not putting lights out in the front yard or my house. So randomly, like I will do sometimes, I had randomly went and got, I actually had Nick was over, we were working out together and we actually put all the Christmas stuff back up into my attic, all my lights. And I was like, dude, I'm just, just don't have time to do it this year. Last night, I get back up into my attic, pull down all the lights just so I could go out. I was in the Christmas spirit. So Merry Christmas. I actually feel like it's finally Christmas. So here's a, a present to you. You are dismissed. Thanks for coming to church today. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Stay, stay around, please. Um, no, excited just to get to share with you. My name's Keith. I'm the campus pastor here at Renew Life. It's your first time. Welcome, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. Um, as you can see, we are people after the presence of God, after the ways of God, after the leading of God. As you come into our services, you will realize that um, we, uh, we, we worship, we don't rush. Uh, we, actually, we actually want to know what God's doing in the service. And we actually want to follow his leading. And uh, sometimes that means longer worship. Sometimes it means an extended ministry time. Sometimes it could even mean a longer message. But we want to find out, God, what are you doing? And how can we partner with you in what you're doing? Amen. And so um, just know that as you come here, uh, we're not interested in doing church like we've always done church. We're actually interested in, in him and what he wants to do. Amen. So welcome. We're really glad that you're here. Um, today, I, I, want to, I want to jump into a message I kind of started two weeks ago, uh, or a subject I started two weeks ago, and I want us to continue to talk around the subject of faith. So would you just say faith? Faith. I want to talk about faith. So open your Bible to Mark chapter 11 today. If you have your phone, you can follow along there. We'll also have it on the screen for you. Mark chapter 11. <clears throat> We're going to be reading in verse 22. This is a very well-known scripture when it comes to faith. And it's a, uh, a moment where Jesus is actually talking and teaching his disciples. If you remember the story, this is, this is uh, what Jesus has to say right after he had cursed the fig tree. Remember him and his disciples are walking by the fig tree. He curses it, goes into town, does some things. The next day they come back, they're walking back by the fig tree. And the, the disciples are like, Jesus, Someone say Jesus. <laughs> They're like, Jesus, like this, the fig tree, the one that you talked to yesterday, it's, it's withered up. Are, are, do you see this? And I kind of imagine this, Jesus has a funny response. We're about to read it. But in my head, I feel like Jesus should have been like, I know. What do you think about that? Pretty cool, huh? It was just a day ago. Now it's all withered up from the roots up. I mean, I'm I know y'all seen a lot of miracles, but that one's pretty cool, right, guys? He doesn't even really address the actual miracle. His response is really, really amazing. We see it in verse 22. He says to his disciples, have faith in God. Have faith in God. I want us to say this together this morning. Ready? One, two, three. Have faith in God. His response to his disciples after they had just seen a pretty crazy miracle, something they'd never seen before. 
his response to them, when they're asking, you can tell, like, Jesus, what's going on here? He says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. He goes on to say, I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. Jesus begins, and this is a a portion of scripture where you're like, man, I don't know what to do with all this, God, because he, he makes some really, really big statements. He literally says, you can speak to this mountain and say, be thrown into the sea. If you believe it'll happen, it will actually happen. And then he goes on to say even something maybe grander. He says, I tell you, you can pray for anything. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. I just realized as I was preaching in in the first service, why Jesus started off this little teaching with the phrase, have faith in God. It wasn't just about what they had just seen. They needed faith for what he was about to say to them. He was saying, have faith in God. You're actually going to need some faith when I tell you that you can say to this mountain, be removed, and 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 it'll actually happen. You're actually going to need faith whenever I say, you can pray for anything, and if you believe you've received it, it'll be done. Amazing, amazing portion of scripture, Jesus teaching us about faith. You may be sitting there today and you're like, man, this, this kind of challenges me. Good. Faith will challenge you. Faith will actually, having faith is not necessarily an easy thing. Because faith requires that you actually believe, you believe, you believe the supernatural over the natural. You believe what you can't see instead of what you do see. Faith, faith takes faith. <laughs> he said, have faith in God. Romans chapter one, Paul talking, he, he goes on to say, um, he says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Someone say power. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who has faith, who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Another translation says, the just shall live by faith. As believers, you need to realize that you are called to live by faith. You are not called to live by, well, I hope this works out. You're not called to live by, well, you know, that's just the way that things are. No, no, you're actually called to live by faith. There's a reason we are called believers. is because believers are supposed to be believing. We are called to, even the name given to us literally tells us who we are and what we should do. We, we're believers because we are people who, who believe. We are people who have faith in God. We are people who, the, the righteous, come on, say, I'm righteous, Did you know that you're the one that's righteous today? Do you know that you're the one that's justified today? The righteous shall live by faith. Um, In the Greek, the the definition of this word faith, it actually means to be persuaded. To be persuaded. You are persuaded in the ways of God. You are persuaded in the things of God. It means to believe or to trust or to be assured or convicted of something. Faith. But I love that little phrase, to be persuaded. To be persuaded. Anybody ever been persuaded by an infomercial before? 
I don't know why, but I love infomercials, and I'm so easily persuaded it's actually sad. It's like, wait, hold on a second. You can dump that whole bag of shredded cheese into that pan, and it won't stick? Oh, my God. Give me eight of them. Oh, wait, I can get nine and just have to pay $80 in shipping? For sure. Give me, give me all of them, right? It's like, I really am. You can ask my wife. I'm, I'm very easily at times. I can very e- easily be persuaded. But as believers, we're actually meant to be that way. He's created us to not to be skeptics, but to be persuaded. The, the, the closer that you get to God, hear me today, the closer you get to God, the easier it is for him to persuade you. The more intimate you get with the Father, the more easily it is to be persuaded by what he actually says, who he says you are, what he says you can have, what he says you can do. See, the more that I know, why? Because I have faith in him. See, see, I can, uh, anybody have anybody where you can, you, you would feel completely 100% comfortable handing over um, something that's really important to you, to them? Like, like your spouse. You, why, why are you able to hand them something that is so yours, knowing they're going to take care of it? Because you trust them. Because you have faith. I'll give Nat, I can trust Natalie with anything. I trust her with my kids more than I trust me with my kids. I, I, I can give her any, why? Because I have a close, intimate relationship with my wife. There's no one as close as we are. I trust her with all the trust that I have. And because I'm so, I know her so well, guess what? I'm so persuaded by her. I believe in her. I believe in what she can do. See, we're, the closer we get with God, the more persuaded we become. And we're called to be persuaded. You know, Jesus, what he was trying to say in Mark chapter 11 to his disciples? He was saying, be persuaded in God. Have faith in God. Be persuaded in him. Be persuaded, you could say to that mountain, get up, be removed, be tossed. In the sea. Be persuaded that you can pray for anything. And if you believed you've received it, it'll be yours. Paul, what he was actually saying when he said the righteous shall live by faith, he was saying the righteous shall live persuaded. We're called to live, live persuaded. Called to have faith. Look at your neighbor and say, you have faith. I want to ask you, I want to ask you today, if you just get really, really honest, how is your faith doing? How, how is your faith? Where is your faith? Um, I, I'll ask it a different way. Do you feel persuaded right now? When it comes to you being persuaded about the goodness of God or his protection over you or your family, or um, are you persuaded that God is over your finances? Are you persuaded that God actually has his best in mind for you? Are you persuaded that he has a plan for you to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you a hope and to give you a future life? Where, where are you at in your persuasion of him, in the ways of, of him, in the promises of him? Like, where, where are you at? Are you, are you persuaded today? No condemnation or shame for where you're at, but I'm wanting to persuade you a little bit more this morning. I'm wanting us to take a step in, in being persuaded. And here's why I actually want to do that. Because what I've discovered, what I feel like the Lord really wants me to, to center on and talk about today 
as I pulled up uh, last night to kind of write my message, I asked the Lord what he wanted to talk about because all the stuff I had written down previously was just not good. <laughs> I was like, Lord, do you have anything better? Anything better than what I've come up with so far? And I felt like he, very clearly he said, I want you to talk about how faith can shift atmospheres. I want to talk about how faith can change the atmosphere. Did you know that your faith can change the atmosphere? Did you know that your faith can actually take a room full of chaos and bring peace? Did you know that your faith can actually take a room full of fear and actually bring faith? Did you know that your faith can actually change a room where there's hopelessness and actually bring some hope? We as believers, we were actually created to shift the atmosphere. But you know what it takes to shift the atmosphere? It takes faith. Faith is what shifts the atmosphere. And here's how I want to tie this together today. Hear me today. The more that you are persuaded of, the more power you have to shift the atmosphere. In other words, the more faith you have, the more you can shift the atmosphere. Some of you are like, why do I need to shift the atmosphere? Because there's too many atmospheres going around that don't need to be going around. Because God can actually heal within an atmosphere. God can actually change within an atmosphere. You can, we can literally change people's minds, their faith, their feelings, just by simply setting the atmosphere. We're called to set the atmosphere. Our faith can change the atmosphere. And so today I want to title the message, Shifting Atmospheres. Shifting Atmospheres. Just take a moment to pray. Lord, we thank you. We even just shift the atmosphere right now. And I ask you, Lord, for a spirit of revelation. I ask you for a spirit of wisdom and understanding would come and li would literally rest above us today. That this would not just be another message. Oh no, but real revelation would come to each person specifically for their situations, for their life, for their kids, for their family. Lord, I thank you that you're here today. And Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and to guide us into all truth. In Jesus' name, if you agree, say amen. 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 As we're talking about um, atmospheres, I just want to ask you this question. Have you ever walked into a room where you could just feel that something was off by a show of hands? Have you ever walked into a room where you could feel something was off? We've all felt that before, right? Maybe you walk in and you, you sense zero peace. It's, it's nothing but chaos, right? Or, or you walk in and you sense a lot of fear or a lot of worry. Or you, 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 just, you walk in and there's, you kind of pick up on like people, the people there are just kind of lethargic. There's no energy. There's no passion. We've all, we've all been in those rooms where we've actually felt that before. And what you actually need to realize is that you are picking up on the atmosphere. Yes, you, even you. You know, you, I'm talking to you who, who consider yourself not the spiritual one, the one who doesn't hear God as well as my wife, or the one who, you know, even you, you're actually, you're more spiritual than you think. And when you come into that room and you're like, oh man, it is awkward in here. Guess what? You're picking up on the atmosphere. It's not hard. It's not some crazy supernatural thing. It is it's how we, we're so spiritual where it's easy for us to pick up on. We realize there are certain atmospheres that we come into contact with. I, uh, I realize today that I want you to kind of think about this. When you're picking up on that atmosphere, guess what you're doing? You're, actually, you're not only catching hold of what's there, you're actually 
catching hold of what's not there. You're picking up on the things that are present, but you're also picking up on the things that aren't. I, uh, I remember coaching my son's baseball team. I think it was first or second grade. Uh, they, uh, it was a coach pitch team. And uh, we, we'd done pretty uh, good throughout the year, but we went to a, a tournament, the end of the year tournament. And it was a double elimination tournament, okay? So we lose one of the games and um, kind of sets us back, but we end up winning all the rest of the games and making it back to the championship. Now, when we make it to the championship, guess the team that we're facing, the team who had just beat us. So if we were to lose this game, it was going to be over. So we go out, and um, I'll never forget this day. We go out, and we, we had just lost maybe the day before. We're facing this team again. And I know it's just first or second graders, but we came out and we smashed them. I mean, we, these boys were playing like so good, so crazy good. And I think we run ruled them the very first game. I mean, like we just, we wrecked them, right? Well, this was only their first loss in the game, in the, in the tournament, which means it's double elimination, which means we had to play them again. It was a back-to-back game. So I'm, I'm feeling really good as the coach right? I'm like, oh, we just smashed them. We got the momentum. We're, we're, we're going to go crush them again. We're going to win the championship. So about five minutes go by and we restart the game. And I mean, it completely flipped. I mean, it was like, it was like, and that's all it takes with first and second graders, five minutes and you lose them. All right. They're gone. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden the other team is just, they're smashing us. I think they get up by like 10 points. And, and the, the way this league worked, you could only score five runs an inning, no matter what. That's all you had. So it was not looking good. The clock was about to, the game was about to be over. It was not looking good. Not to mention, these are first and second graders. They can't really ever get anyone out. So like, so like I mean, what happens most of the time is that most of the time, like they, you score three or three to five runs every single inning because they're just not good enough to throw the ball to the base and actually get people out. What has never happened is shutting someone out and them not getting any runs there in an inning. And so I'm just kind of painting the picture. It it is not looking good. I walk into the dugout. I'm the coach. I walk in there, and the kids are just, their heads are down. And it wasn't just their heads were down. Their arms were down. They were (laughs) like, we're getting ready to bat, and they're just picking up the bat and just dragging it in the sand. And, um, and so as the coach, I'm ticked, right? I'm like, come on, you're six years old. You should know better than this. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I first get mad at my son and I take it out on him. And I'm like, I'm like, hey, what's going on? And he, and he, and he says the phrase, he says, well, we're gonna lose. We don't have a chance, we're gonna lose. And I was like, lesson time, lesson time. And I look around, I see all the other kids. I, I never forget looking in my son's eyes. I was like, I was like do, you, we, do we still have a chance? You're going to be my son for a second. Do we still have a chance? Uh, I guess so. I was like, do we have a chance? Yes, we have a chance. You never give up when you have a chance. You never know what can happen in a game. It can flip like this. We can win this game. And I'm like kind of giving him a pep talk. And I just gather the whole team in the dugout. And I, I kind of do the coach yell. I'm like, hey, get over here. And they're all, they were all walking around. They came and I got down on my knee. I was like, hey, listen, don't worry about the score. Don't worry about what's going on. We have one thing to do. We're going to walk out on that field and we're going to get three outs and they are not going to score. 
And then we're going to come back in, in here. We're going to grab our bats. We're going to go out and we're going to score five runs. And you know what else is going to happen? We're going to go back out. We're going to get three more outs. We're going to score five runs. We're going to tie this sucker up. And then we're going to go to overtime and we're going to win. And they're like, we are? <laughs> I mean, and you could just see the, the, the look on their face. And I was like, listen, this is not a time to give up. We still have a chance. And so I got on, we got all together, and we broke it out. Rocky's on three, one, two, three. And they all went out there. And um, kind of, this is just kind of a little side note. I'll get to my point. We actually did exactly what I just said, which was an absolute miracle, right? I mean, literally angels showed up and, and helped us. We literally held them to zero runs, went out, scored five, zero runs again, went out, scored five, overtime, and flipping, beat them in overtime. I mean, I'm still jacked about it, right? I remember the game was over, and I'm like running. I'm like, we, we won third out. I'm like running, grabbing kids. They don't even know the game's over. They don't know what's going on. I'm like, yeah, I'm shaking them. It's, it was crazy. It was awesome. Um, but I, I realized as the coach in this moment, when my team's down, I realized that the atmosphere has shifted. And I realized that I needed to shift it back where I knew it needed to go. When, when, when they weren't, there was no way they were going to win with that attitude. There was no way they were going to succeed with that attitude. There was no way anything good was going to happen with the way that they were walking around. And as the coach, I had the authority and I was responsible to get them into a place to shift the atmosphere of our team and get them into a place where they could win. If you've played sports, you know this. This is the job of the coach. It's the responsibility of the coach. Rally the team when it needs it. I don't know if you can tell where I'm going this morning. But as believers, we are made and we are called and we are responsible to shift the atmosphere. And not only are we called and responsible for it, we've actually been given the authority to do so. You've been given the authority to change rooms. You've been given the authority by God to shift atmospheres. How many of you know there's more going on in this atmosphere than what we can see? How many know that scripture says we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of, dark, of darkness? There is a second heaven where angels and demons are. That's for real. That's not make-believe. That is a real thing. It ha but, but guess what? Chris Valentin has explained it this way. I love this. Here we are in the first heaven on, on the earth. Second heaven, spiritual powers. Here, where does Jesus sit? He sits in the third heaven. That's where Jesus is. And guess where we're seated? We're actually seated in heavenly places with Jesus, which means that we are seated literally above the second heaven where all the junk's going on, which tells me this. I have authority over what happens here. And because I know my authority, I can affect the second heaven, which then affects the first heaven and changes atmospheres. This is where we are. This is the authority that we have. In other words, you're the coach. You're the coach. And when you see that an atmosphere doesn't line up with the desire of God, guess who's the one who's responsible to change it? Look at your neighbor and say, it's got to be you. <laughs> our faith, our faith shifts atmospheres. Matthew 18, verse 18 says it this way. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What is that scripture saying? It's saying that as a believer, heaven's backing what you bind and he's backing what you loose. 
We're called to bind. We're called to loose. We're called to take authority over atmospheres. Hear me today. When you walk into a room, people should notice. Let me just encourage you. When you walk into a room, people notice. They notice when you're there. They notice what you're carrying. When you walk into a room and you actually sense that something is off, guess what? The Lord is actually revealing that to you because he wants you to do something about it. I love how Bill Johnson says it. It's not a direct quote, but he says something to the effect of, as believers, we're not, we're not called to be the thermometer. We're called to be the thermostat. In other words, we don't just walk into the room and pick up on what's going on and be like, man, yeah, it was. It was crazy in there. All right, peace out. Oh, yeah, man, I met that person. You could just tell there was a spirit of something, something, something on them. I, get, I have conversations like that with people, and they say that. And, and on the inside, I'm thinking, cool, did you do anything about it? Did you open your mouth? Did you come against that thing? Did you speak to that thing? Did you speak to that room? Did you, did you take authority? Some, some of us need to realize that we, we actually have the power to do so. Our faith shifts, we're atmospheric shifters. We shift atmosphere, that's what we do. I want you to imagine with me for a, a moment Imagine you're at a, a, a high school basketball game here in town. You go and watch one of the teams here, and you're hanging out. And all of a sudden, as you're, as, uh, as you're watching the game, or during warm-ups, let's say it's during warm-ups, all of a sudden, Michael Jordan walks into the gym. What's going to happen? I'll tell you what's going to happen. The atmosphere is going to completely change in the gym. Amen. Why? Why? Because, because Michael Jordan is the best player to ever live on the face of the earth. And that is not up for debate in this church. <laughs> he is the greatest player of all time. He is the goat. If you have problems with that, we will lay hands on you at the front. <clears throat> I'm playing, but I really mean it. Um, but if he, were to, if he were to do that, when you think, really think about that, I mean, people would go nuts. I would be going nuts. I'd be like, people would be, he would completely shift the atmosphere. And you want to know why? Because whatever gym he walks into, he is literally the best player. Still. Wherever he goes, he's defeated that territory. He's got that one under his belt. Now, if you were, to, to, if you were at a football game and he was to show up, would it, would, it be, would it be the same? Ah, it would still be cool. It's, it changed the atmosphere to, agree, to a degree. But it wouldn't be the same as when he walked into a basketball gym. You want to know why? Because in that gym is where he has authority. In that gym is where he's conquered. In that gym is where he's won many, many battles, and people respect that about him. Hear me today. What battles have you won? What victories do you have in your life? Where have, where have you come in and you have taken up enemy ground? Where do you have victory in your life? Because if, you, if, if that's the case, and there is a lot of you in here, you've made ground. There's something that you have victory in. Guess what that tells me? That means you have authority in that realm. And whatever realm you walk into, you can bring that same authority. Well, that, what, whatever you've conquered in here, you can conquer out here. 
Whatever areas that you've taken the control of the atmosphere in your soul, you now have a right and you now have a power to take, to take authority over the atmosphere that you walk into. If you know what it means to walk in peace in the middle of chaos, and you've walked that out, and you've proven that in your own personal life, guess what? You have peace to release wherever you go. I might add, we need you in our children's ministries time to time. <clears throat> I've heard it said this way, you can't give away something that you don't have. I actually believe that to a degree. I believe that's actually mostly true. I do actually believe that there are moments when we don't even have it, but the power of God can come and move anyway. <laughs> so hear me in that. But the majority of the time, there's something different that happens. Listen, I told the team this. I know when it comes to the area, to, a, to some certain areas in my life, I know that I carry it. And it's not a confidence in, in me. It's a confidence in what he's done in me. Which means I know I have a responsibility when I walk into an atmosphere and I feel something different, okay, I'm gonna bring that thing that I carry. I'm gonna bring that thing that I carry. I'm gonna change this atmosphere. You say, how does this apply to my life? When it means that you change the environment of your workplace. How? By your faith, by what you carry. It means that we begin to change the atmospheres of the restaurants and the coffee shops that we go into in this town. Come on, y'all are Christians. I know y'all go to coffee shops. Can't go to the bar, so you go to the coffee shops. Give me a shot of that. Espresso, espresso. Give me another one. I need it. I'm a Christian. I felt the Holy Spirit a little bit with that double shot. I just need one more, and I'm there. But it means when we walk into that coffee shop, and we sense something that shouldn't be there, we... We, we think in our head, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take, take authority over this atmosphere. When, you, when you're the leader of your, your workplace and you walk in and you can tell the, your staff that's working for you is just not doing good. They're a little bit worn out. They don't have any energy. Guess what you do? You come in and you, and you can actually do more than just hype them up. You can do more than just the natural hype. Hey, come on, guys, let's go. No, that, that works to a degree. But also you can take authority and dominion over that atmosphere. And where there is lethargy and where there is no energy, you walk in and you bring the passion of God into that atmosphere and you change that thing around. Because faith shifts atmospheres. We're called to shift atmospheres. It means that when your kids have night terrors and they're struggling to go to sleep or not sleeping all the way through the night. It means that you walk into that room and you, and, you, and you begin to proclaim and declare over that room that it's a place of peace, that it's a place of protection, it is a place of rest, and you take dominion and authority over the atmosphere. Why? Because I'm an atmosphere shifter because I, I know my faith can do something. Just a little side note, you know those little, little chitlins you got running around? They're really, really spiritual. They know about the conflict that's going on with mom and dad without you having to tell them. They know something's going on. Why? Because they're picking up on it. They don't know they are, but they're picking up on the atmosphere that you're carrying. 
Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? If that's true, then the, then the positive is true. They know when mom and dad are good. They know when mom and dad are in love. They know when mom and dad have issues, but they work it out anyways. You know what that's actually beginning to do? It's beginning to set the atmosphere in your home. It's a holy atmosphere. Did you, I don't know why I feel like the Lord is on this. Did you know, I've, I've done a lot of study when it comes to, to marriages and, and um, do, do some premarital counseling, and they've actually done studies, and they say the happiest couples are not the couples who fight the least. You're like, are you sure? Did you read that right, Keith? I'm like, I promise. The happiest couples are not the ones who fight the least. You know what the happiest couples are? They're the ones who actually know how to fight the right way. You can have a couple over here that literally fights every single day because they got married and maybe shouldn't have, but they're working it out. But they've learned how to resolve conflict and work with one another and handle it in a godly way. And you can have a, a couple over here who is just, they were made for each other. They like the same things. They ha- like to watch the same movies. They rarely ever have a conflict. They could, be, they, they could be dealing with conflict the wrong way. And this is actually a healthier marriage because they deal with it the right way. When you re- when you, this is not about being perfect. This is about living after God. And when you live after the things of God and the ways of God and you incorporate that into your life, guess what? It sets atmospheres wherever you go. It sets the atmosphere of your home. Your kids need a godly atmosphere. <laughs> it means that you have an atmosphere in your car. It means that some of you who drive people around for, you meet, meet new people and you, you may engage with people and they come into your office or get into your car and you drive them around. It means that before they do that, you have the thought, ooh, I'm, I'm gonna set the atmosphere. I'm gonna set the atmosphere. For those of you high schoolers, college students, this means that you take authority over your classroom. It means that you take authority in your school in the cafeteria, at Chick-fil-A. I'm sorry, I'm getting hungry. <clears throat> Some of y'all are like, Chick-fil-A don't need it. They got the atmosphere. They got, they got, they got chicken, <laughs> helps, and K-Love playing at the same time. <laughs> atmosphere, done. All right. I close with this story. I was reminded of the story of um, Mary and Jesus, and when the angel came and <clears throat> declared to Mary that she was going to bear a child. This is what we're celebrating this time of year. And he begins to explain to her that the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her, and she's going to become pregnant with the Messiah, the Son of God. But if you remember in that story, the angel tells her something else. He says, your relative Elizabeth is, is pregnant too. She's actually six months pregnant. Now, for the, just to kind of remind you, remember who Elizabeth is pregnant with? She's, she's pregnant with John the Baptist, the one to go before Jesus. So Mary finds this out and says that Mary leaves to go and visit her relative, Elizabeth. And I, I reread the story, it was amazing. We all remember the one part, what happens? Mary walks in and, what, and, and, and greets Elizabeth, and, and what happens? The baby leapt within her stomach. Remember that? Did you also know that it says that Elizabeth got filled with the Holy Spirit right then and there? 
that when Mary showed up, when she greeted her relative Elizabeth, it doesn't say that she laid hands on her. It doesn't say that she prayed. It says that she came in and said, what's up, Elizabeth? <laughs> That's how I like to picture it. She probably threw the deuce too. No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> but she greeted, she greeted Elizabeth. And with the greeting, she was filled with the Holy Spirit. And John the Baptist at six months old in, her, in the mother's room noticed who was there. I asked the Lord, I was like, why did, why did that happen? How did that happen? They were relatives. She's visited Elizabeth before. It's never happened then. Why, why now? He said, because of who she was carrying. In that moment, Mary was carrying Jesus. What we carry makes a difference. Who we, when we realize who we carry, which means sometimes we don't even have to lay hands or pray. It's a greeting. It's a hug. It's a what's up. It's a how you doing. It's just your presence. You walk in and because you carry peace so well, boom, peace is in the room. You walk in and because you carry faith so well, faith gets off, on, off of you onto other people. It's, it's because you carry hope. You're just a hopeful person. Oh, God's going to set you up to run into some hopeless people. Why? So you can bring hope to them into their situation. See what we carry, where we have victory, the atmosphere that we've taken charge of in here, you can release wherever you go. And not only can you, should you. We're responsible. We're called. We're made to shift the atmospheres. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.